Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and we're back from a holiday break and ready for our first episode of 2024. Today we'll kick things off with our food goals for the year. One trend we think will stay strong this year is alcohol-free lifestyles, and special guest Alex Fletcher, a Dallas barman, will share with us later why he's decided to stop drinking. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Happy New Year. For the latest food and restaurant news, be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food. And don't forget to tell us your food thoughts at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. And if you like the show, please show us some love and leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. Later on, we'll hear from Dallas barman Alex Fletcher in a conversation with Dallas Morning News columnist Sharon Grigsby. But first, we're catching up with food reporters Sarah Blaskovich, Amelda Garcia, and Claire Baller. Whoa. Happy New Year, <laughs> Hi. Happy New Year. How are your holidays? Great. Great. Fun. Oh, oh yeah, yours was fun, Imelda? Yes. <laughs> what you do? The thing with us Hispanics is that we eat a lot on the holidays. We have this thing that is called the recalentado, the reheated. So we cook a lot of things. You dine on Christmas Eve and then you reheat it Christmas Day and then you reheat it on the 26th and the 27th. Oh so my you God. re, 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 re Yeah, heat. that's right. That's the thing. So <laughs> Sounds good. You know? So what was your meal that you cooked and then reheated? Tamales. Mm-hmm. We ate a lot of tamales this year and we experimented of kind of international cuisine because we made paella. Mm. So, and it was really good, you know. Better than your mac and cheese? Yes, much better. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because this one uh, was cooked by my brother. He's better at the cooking. But. I love the video you posted of your family making oh, tamales. Yeah. I think it was your brother and your father, and they were just like grinding yeah. away, like yeah. with their shirt off. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's Hard right. work. Yeah, tamales from scratch. What about you, Claire? I went to Southern California to visit family mm. for the holidays and it was great. I love a beachy, warm Christmas. My family has pretty set food traditions. So we always have beef bourguignon on Christmas Eve. And um, my brother-in-law always makes a mushroom Wellington as well for Mm. my sister who's vegetarian and it is so good. Mm. Then Christmas morning, we always have linguisa and eggs. My mom is Portuguese and she's had linguisa her whole life every Christmas morning. So that Mm. tradition persists. And we always have oranges like a ton of oranges Christmas morning. Yes. And that's because growing up, we lived in a orange grove turned neighborhood. Mm. And so oranges were just like everywhere. And even though we don't live in an orange grove anymore, we always still have just like an ungodly amount of oranges for Christmas. I want to live in an orange grove. It was magical. (laughs) What a beautiful visual, Claire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was really, really spoiled. It wasn't until college that I ate an orange from the grocery store. It was really, really a sad moment. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, this is what the rest of you people are eating. Yeah. (laughs) May I say at the risk of tempting anybody who's doing dry January, that sounds like some good cocktail making. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And still to this day, if I'm going to use citrus in a drink for me, it's got to be fresh squeezed. And so you must know the best way to squeeze an orange. 
Do y'all have <laughs> like one of those super powerful orange juice makers? So growing up when we would pull all the fruit off of our trees and we would juice a bunch and you know, you have to get creative when you have that much citrus. Right. So we would use the juicing attachment on a KitchenAid mm. and you can crank out some oranges that way. Nowadays, I mean, I, I just like to use a hand juicer and I like pulp. You like to chew your juice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I am also a fan of pulp. Nope. Nope. No, no pulp. Not for okay. Me. No, and if you pour champagne in with the yeah. orange juice, <laughs> yeah. it makes it less pulpy too. Oh. Are we not drinking? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to talk about dry January. <laughs> we are. We are. <laughs> Sarah, what did you guys do? Well, we took an epic family road trip from Dallas to Santa Fe, Durango, Colorado, Colorado Springs, and Breckenridge, and then back. Uh, during all of that, we saw two sides of the family. My husband and I each saw a college roommate. We went to two vineyard tasting rooms that I'd been wanting to go to, McPherson and Lebick. I really like their wine. They may use 100% Texas grapes. And then Gruet in Santa Fe. It was just a really lovely trip. But before we went on that long road trip, we hosted, I don't know, 15 or 20 family members at our house for Christmas. And a couple days before Christmas, we took a family trip to Costco to buy prime rib because Chase smoked a lovely prime rib for Christmas Day, which was also my stepdad's 75th birthday. And my children have lost their Costco privileges. And so <laughs> that we had not been as a family of four to Costco in at least a year. Wait, and you decided to re-enter that on On December this high 23rd. holy day of December 23rd. <laughs> this is correct. We take our kids to Costco. They really behave. We have a nice time. We get a beautiful prime rib. And Brooke, my three-year-old, talks about Costco for the next many days. And every time we get in the car, she's like, are we going to Costco? <laughs> and when we get in the car to leave for Colorado, she throws her hands in the air and she says, yay, finally, we are going to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> and we realized that she had confused Costco and Colorado and had been asking for days if we were going on a road trip yet. She's like, we're packing a lot of stuff just to go to Costco. Just go to, yeah. So now uh, forever in our family's mind, that Colorado trip will be a 12 day trip to Costco. <laughs> Erin, you had a bit of a road trip too. Uh, yeah, we went to San Antonio for a few days after Christmas. Christmas at home was just kind of small. So I usually make just a basic beef stew. I also made a cranberry trifle. Mm. Um, I made a custard for the first time. The custard went in the cranberry trifle? Uh-huh. Yep. But it was really delicious. I was kind of proud of myself on that one. And pretty. Yeah, it was really pretty. It was like red and you have the custard and then you have the whipped cream and then the pound cake. It was really good. Did you already have a vessel to make it in? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I do have a trifle dish that I've maybe used four times since, <laughs> since we got it on our wedding like 15, 20 years ago. It's kind long. of a specific dish. It's it is. Specific. It is very specific. <laughs> you can also use a big bowl, yes. but it will be, you know, more concentrated trifle down at the bottom. And then, or maybe for our food community listening, if someone, you know, needs to make a trifle, offer them your trifle dish. Yeah. Yeah. You only need like one amongst a friend group. Uh -huh. like, right? yeah. Yeah. What are you guys doing in January? You have any sort of goals or special plans? I do have some food goals for 2024. One of them is to just cook more. Mm -hmm. Like honestly, mm -hmm. we've been eating out way too much in the past year and spending way too much money on door dashing, et cetera. I need to cook and try to enjoy it. So we're doing a lot of meal planning and stocking the freezer. And I also really want to cut back on food waste. So one of my goals is to not stock up so much when I go to the grocery store. Yeah. I'm just going to make more frequent trips or frequent orders to the grocery store, which I pick up. That's a great goal. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Claire? I really want to bring back Sunday dinners for myself and mm. for my family. Love it. Prior to having a child, I would make fresh pasta most every Sunday. And it was just kind of a meditative process for me. 
that's gone out the window, but I would like to um, bring back Sunday dinners. And it seems like a good time because last night was the first time my husband, son, and I sat at the dinner table together with no high chair, <gasps> no anything. Oh, it was a big moment. Huge. And yeah. we ate leftover lasagna from Via Triozzi that we had, <laughs> and it was a big hit, and we sat there, and it was it was a cool moment. So it seems like a good time to bring back Sunday family dinner. Beautiful. What about you, Melda? I want to eat my tamales. Yeah. You still have I, more tamales left over from Christmas. Yeah, like maybe like 20. <laughs> so oh my gosh. Once I finish that, I'm going to eat more vegetables. And okay. I love vegetables. I mean, but I want to learn how to prepare them better. Okay, so what kind of vegetable preparation are you looking for? In my family, didn't eat so much vegetables. So for my, my mom, when I was a kid, she was just putting like salt and that's it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, ugh, mm -hmm. zucchini, ugh, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I learned to like prepare them, then spice them. So I'm learning. One of the tips I have for people who think that they aren't really vegetable lovers or don't, are kind of intimidated by cooking vegetables is to roast them. I know so many people who have this weird relationship with vegetables because they grew up eating a lot of boiled vegetables yeah. that were kind of textureless and tasteless. Yeah, and that's often me. out of the can, Yep, which can mm -hmm. really kill a veg. Yep. And so I think the best way to get into eating more vegetables and cooking them primarily yourself is to roast them. Get a great sheet pan. Uh, you can buy a lot of vegetables that are pre-cut. If that's like a barrier to entry too, if you don't have the time or you, you just don't want to deal with chopping up and cubing things and like olive oil, salt, pepper, find a great spice blend you love and lean on that. I'm going to appreciate your help. <laughs> yeah. And this is a great topic. So let's definitely talk about this on a future episode and bring your favorite veggie dishes and veggie mm. cooking oh, ideas. Yeah. All right. Will do. And so Sarah, what are your food goals for 2024? You know, I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm not setting food goals for 2024. Mm. I have set them in the past and moderately achieved or wildly underachieved. Mm -hmm. For me, a working mom with two little kids, there's a lot going on already. I had somebody a couple of years ago ask me what my hobbies were. <laughs> and I was so triggered by that. I'm still triggered right now. I don't have any hobbies. I try to have friends. I like to have good relationships with my family. I don't sleep well. I try to eat three meals a day. Sometimes that doesn't happen. I don't have hobbies. <laughs> like, I just want to be one of those people who does 2024 well without disappointing myself. So I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to try to move a little bit. I'm going to eat more vegetables, but I don't have goals this year. Mm, that's like great, that. Sarah. And I totally feel you on the hobbies. And also I try to have friends like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. true. <laughs> it's, isn't that enough? It is. It's Two totally alive enough. people who are underage that I keep alive every day. That's yeah. that's <laughs> they're kind dressed. of the hobby, right? That kind of takes the slot for a while. Yeah, the little one almost went out the door today without socks on. I put socks on her. Yes. Right? Yes. It's yes. like, that's the job of the mom. Imelda, I just would say, I feel like Imelda's <laughs> hobby is cooking for her dog. Yes. That's like a whole thing for you on the weekends. A whole thing. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes I cannot cooking for myself and my wife and I'm cooking for the dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so, so awesome. It's crazy. But she was like ill last year. Mm. Yeah. So we have to consult with a dog nutritionist. Wow. She's in Colombia. Your nutritionist is in Colombia. Yeah. The dog nutritionist. Oh, wait, right. Sorry. Yes. The dog <laughs> yes. <laughs> So she told us like these recipes and these supplements. She's now eating better than me. It's like <laughs> crazy. I know. This is kind of how it is with kids too, where like it's exhausting sometimes to feed yourself when you're responsible for feeding yeah. other people. 
It or- can be joyless too. And I think we all want to bring the joy back into food, whether that's eating in a restaurant or cooking at home. It's easy to forget that mm-hmm. cooking is, like you had said on your Sunday afternoons making pasta, Claire, cooking is an activity we can love. Mm-hmm. Eating mm-hmm. is an activity we can love, but you do have to remind yourself of that sometimes. Yeah. Yep. So to our listeners, if you have a food goal for 2024, we want to hear it, whether it's dry January or cooking for your dog or just doing more for yourself. Email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Up next, we hear why a Dallas bar consultant decided to stop drinking alcohol. That's right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Sarah recently sat down with Dallas Morning News columnist Sharon Grigsby and Dallas barman Alex Fletcher to talk about their alcohol-free lifestyles. Here's more. I am so excited to do this interview with both of you. We have Sharon Grigsby, I think I can say, one of my favorite people at the Dallas Morning News. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Sharon is a columnist at the Dallas Morning News, and you've worked here how long? Almost 40 years. Oh, my goodness. I have read you almost my whole life, and you're a wonderful friend of mine, but also someone I look up to as a journalist in this town. Also with us, we have Alex Fletcher. Welcome, Alex. Hey, how are y'all? Alex makes cocktails for a living and has been really behind bars and making drinks that the Dallas Morning News has written about for the better part of a decade or more. Tell us where you've worked, Alex. Everywhere. (laughs) That's really true. Um, I've worked in a a handful of establishments in Dallas. Uh, I started off at People's Last Stand. I went to Victor Tango's. I opened Henry's Majestic, did some speakeasies. I ran the AT&T Discovery District, and now I work for myself. Doing what? I'm a F&B consultant. The reason why both of you are here is because Sharon Grigsby wrote a great column in mid-December for the Dallas Morning News. Let me give you the headline. This cocktail whiz quit drinking two years ago. Here's why. So Alex, I want to start with you. You make cocktails for a living. You're naturally around alcohol all the time. You chose to stop drinking in 2021. Tell us why. Well, when you are around alcohol for as long as I have and worked with it as long as I have, it just gets to the point where, you know, you got to take a second and think about it and can see if you want to continue doing it. Um, I love the history of alcohol. I love the creativity of alcohol. I love drinking, to be honest. But I took a step and just kind of stopped and waited 72 hours and waited 30 days and now we're at two years. So it's been a life-changing experience, to be honest. Do you miss drinking? I love wine. Wine is one of my favorite things on the planet. So yes, I do miss drinking, but the positives outweigh the negatives. And what were some of the negatives of being around drinking and and knowing people who were drinkers? Being in the cocktail world, you get kind of stereotyped at times. Like you kind of feel like you're supposed to be this guy that or girl that is, uh, you know, hip and out and partying. And with that comes the anticipation to have drinks at the same time. It takes a lot when you're in this industry just to tell people, no, F&B is kind of a industry of indulgence. Sure. So the more that is offered to you, the more you take. And, you know, it's just it, it leads you down some strange paths mentally and physically and personally and financially. 
For sure. And what are things you like about not drinking? What I like about not drinking is I'm still able to do all the things that I was doing while drinking, just in a little cleaner, healthier fashion. I still experiment with flavors. I still get my job done. I still do all the things that I love doing while I was drinking. I still go out and socialize. I just, my bar tabs are a lot cheaper. (laughs) That sounds nice. And Sharon, this column that you wrote after a couple interviews with Alex, it was a beautiful explanation of how you can do a job like be a cocktail guy without having six or seven cocktails by the end of your evening. What about Alex's story, Sharon, was important to you? Most important is in my personal story, what kept me from stopping drinking for so long, among many reasons, was I thought life would never be fun again. Mm. I thought I would become the dullest person in the universe, and I couldn't imagine how you went through a day. Not because at the time I felt like I needed that drink, although I probably did psychologically, but it just made everything more fun. Sure. And I feel that Alex's story shows better than I could ever tell it how much fun life still is and the many ways life doesn't change when you stop drinking. And I think the more stories like that that we put out there, the more people really understand that there is a choice you can make and your life isn't going to be over. That's right. And this story, Sharon, was told best by you, I think, because you stopped drinking 19 years ago. Sharon, tell us just a little bit about why you don't drink anymore. First, I just want to say that I do think it's important for someone who doesn't drink any longer to be able to get a chance to tell these kind of stories because we can tell it without the kind of stereotypes and cliched language and, frankly, misinformation that so often comes with one of these stories. My drinking story was one that Alcohol was always kind of in the back seat, and then it kind of moved up into the passenger seat. And then toward the end, we were like fighting over who had the wheel. In some ways, my um, decision to quit drinking is similar to Alex's in that my counselor challenged me to quit drinking for 30 days. And I would always find a reason, something like, oh, I'm on a beach in California, which was a truly what happened one month. Yep. I, well, I had to have a drink. Yeah. And she finally was like, well, are you going to do this or not? And I gave it a real shot. And then I liked the fact that I went a day and a month and three months and found out that I just feel a lot better And I do like to think people like me and Alex are role models to a degree, even though that's not what we set out to be. I do think we show a different way. Dry January. A lot of people out there are just going to do it for 30 days. So when you're both at a party and everyone has a drink in their hands, what are you doing? I nearly always have a Topo Chico. Uh And as Alex said, and I loved this, you can only drink so many Topo Chicos. Thank goodness (laughs) I have not hit that point of like burning out on Topo. So I have gone to parties and been around alcohol long enough that, you know, I don't even think about it. Um, I am extremely cautious about 
what I pick up at a party. So I just feel better having the topo with me. And if the party gets to the point that everybody's had too much to drink and I find that really boring, then I just leave. And I always bring my own car. Sure. And you can safely get yourself home every single time. Correct. Do you pour the Topo Chico into a cup so that it looks like something sparkly or do you just drink it out of the bottle? I nearly always just will drink it out of a bottle. If somebody puts it into a cup, I'm not offended by that. But each of us has our own way of doing this. I don't ever want to pretend I'm drinking alcohol. I see. Like if I drank my Topo out of a wine glass. Yes. I do believe it would be more tempting to me to have a glass of wine, Uh even after all these years. And I just don't want to go there. Alex, what are you doing at the party? few different things. I mean, generally, I usually have a Waterloo or something with me at all times anyways. What Um, flavor Waterloo do you like? All of them? All of them. (laughs) All of the static waters are great. I'm like so interested in sparkling water. And so I love to hear this. Oh yeah. Just the vast array of them are fantastic. But I'll usually have one of those with me. And on to Sharon's point about, you know, putting something in a different glass. I just have to have something in my hands. Uh And I actually figured out that I was drinking more because I was so fidgety. So Uh now that if I just don't have alcohol in my hands, I'm perfectly fine. Like it doesn't really (laughs) matter. I can have a glass of water. It doesn't matter. But when people ask if I need any drink, I'm like, yeah, of course, just give me a topo or water or whatever is available is fine. Do you and have to give the spiel? I'm not drinking anymore. I stopped drinking in late 2021. It's not because I had a problem, but just because I chose not to. Do you have to do that every time? No, I thought I did at first. Yep. And then I realized I don't have to answer to anybody. People do ask and they're like, well, why? I'm like, because I don't. And then we carry on and it's kind of like, okay. It's like, why do you drink alcohol? I don't know. I would just add in one of the big discoveries I made is that People aren't really paying that much attention to what you're doing. You think everybody notices. And maybe in Alex's world, because it is F&B, there is more of an attention to it. But I realized people really didn't care what I was doing. That's a great point. It's probably the host opens the door or the person standing by the bar is just trying to make you happy because it's their job. And then they've forgotten whatever happens next. 100%. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. Like we went to um, three bars yesterday. Me and my fiance were hanging out and it's kind of like if you're going to a sandwich shop, don't order lasagna. Right. Right. (laughs) So I know the establishments that we're at, so I know what to order. Maybe I'll get a Topo Chico. Maybe I'll just get a water or maybe I'll get a mocktail. Mocktail and sober curious are words that we will hear in dry January over and over again. Forgive us. We may even put them in news stories. Do we like sober curious? I understand the phrase sober curious. I think it's going a little over the top, though. It's very dramatic. It's very dramatic, which, you know, that has a place. I understand that. Um, (laughs) But if you think like logically what it is, we're born sober. We grow up sober. We make it to our 20s sober. Yes, we do. And then we're not sober. So are we sober curious or alcohol curious? Yeah, interesting. Sharon, what do you think? I think it's important, and Alex mentioned this, that anybody who wants to experiment with what it's like not to drink for a week, a month, a dry January, more power to them. So I don't want to say anything sanctimonious that would possibly cause someone to be turned off by those terms. Sure. I agree, though, with Alex. I find sober curious odd. And (laughs) I have thought a lot, particularly in the days leading up to interviewing Alex about my attitude about mocktails. I think that I'm turned off by the word mocktails, and it probably is because the word mocking makes me very... Oh, it's uh, like it's making fun of you. I don't know. It's like, yeah, making fun of me. 
and it does feel like I'm ordering from the kitty menu. Also, yes. there are a lot of bad cocktail mocktails, as Alex can speak to. Yeah, a big part of what I've discovered, too, especially when we were op- reopening Henry's Majestic, like I, I knew we wanted a zero proof menu. And instead of calling it mocktails, like 99% of the other establishments out there, and it was because of that wording that we, we called it royal choices. Oh, love this. So, and then I named the drinks cool things because a lot of times you will name them like blueberry hibiscus lemonade and then you get it and it's (laughs) just this cloyingly sweet thing on ice that is some weird fuchsia color. And you're like, I don't want to drink this. I'm an adult. Right. So we did stuff and named stuff like the rotating old fashioned is a a Robert Downey Jr. And it's got a non-alcoholic bitters in it. It's got a non-alcoholic spirit and a good flavoring and stuff. And we use good ice and don't overcharge for them. And then we discovered there's this huge gap in F&B. You know, you have your coffee shops and you have your bars and you have your restaurants, but you don't have a place to go hang out and not drink and feel like an adult. So like having a place that would be a sober curious bar or whatever you would like, a place that people can do all the same things that you would do in a bar or restaurant just without alcohol. And two points there. One, I loved Alex's idea that at some point maybe we'd have a bar restaurant that had just a cocktail menu. Some of the drinks would show that they've got alcohol in them and some of them wouldn't. Why do we have to have two separate menus, I think is an interesting question. The other point takes us back to something Alex and I talked about a lot, which is this whole romance of drinking. That Mm -hmm. was probably a big part of what kept me drinking and at times kept me drinking in an unhealthy way because I somehow thought there was more romance in that than my drinking life actually resembled. But I'd love to see an establishment that could bring those two menus together, that could get us to that kind of ambiance that, frankly, I've never found anywhere else. So I teach this in my trainings and stuff like that, that um, I do for just restaurants and stuff. And I tell everybody that cocktails are 10% of your job and that's it. Really? Like if you're running a bar and establishment and stuff, that's 10% of it. The rest of it is lighting, ambiance, music, interaction, mm-hmm. um, decor, all of the little things that actually make a place when you walk in, you know, it's got a jive. That's where the real work comes in. I have noticed and put in news stories that there are so many more restaurants and bars that have these zero proof cocktail menus. It might be partly because of you, Alex, now that you're a consultant and you're working with a lot of these bars. Can you tell us a little bit about what has happened in the last couple of years in Dallas or nationwide that has made this okay? I mean, I will give a lot of credit to the non-alcoholic liquor companies. They've done an excellent job with packaging and just making things feel better, like elegant, elegant. And the tasting profiles and stuff are so much better. You know, it's not the days of O'Doul's or <laughs> sure. Heineken Zero or something like that. Or even a Shirley Temple for the person who says they right. don't drink. But I think today, you know, there's more information that people can get their hands on. They all want to be slightly healthier from what I can tell. Yep. And they all care about what they drink. And I'll give some of the credit to COVID. I mean, it was one of the good things that came out of COVID is people were at home experimenting with stuff because they couldn't go out. Do you also think, or maybe I'm just projecting here, that during COVID there was so much drinking. I was at home. I had two little bitty kids, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to work. You work your normal hours. You get off, but there's no driving home. So you walk 15 paces that way and pour yourself a drink. 
I did it. But then how many times did we get through a couple of months of that? And I know my husband and I turned to each other and we're like, we never used to drink so much in the evenings. We don't even really want to. We just don't know what else to do. It becomes ritual. Right. And then only then when you have the counselor or the friend who challenges you, do you really need to be doing this anymore? Do you think about it? I want to ask each of you one final question. We'll start with you, Sharon. What advice do you have for anyone listening who might be struggling with drinking and thinking they need to stop? It's important to remember that nobody's going to care. So what you're just taking a little step into is not going to redefine you or cause you to lose your job or lose or your, your friends. friends. Yep. I think the most important thing is to use that time when you decide, okay, I'm not going to drink maybe just today or for a week. It's, for many of us, was a habit, a ritual. Find a new ritual, a new habit. Mm. And I know, you know, January's the month that everybody goes back to the gym or everybody is going to start eating right. But find something that's not in the headlines, but that matters to you. It could be as simple as what new music you're going to listen to each evening instead of having that cocktail. In other words, don't just give it up. Find something to enrich your life at the same time. Can I ask you, did you take up a hobby when you stopped drinking and what was it? I somehow managed to continue exercising and eating well throughout the time that I would say I was drinking the most. So I didn't have those to fall back on. What I did is I started journaling. And I find the term journaling to be almost as corny <laughs> as dry January. <laughs> and and I write for a living. That's right. But I spent a lot of time writing sometimes just seemingly aimlessly about things that I think I was really trying to tamp down by drinking mm. regularly. Mm -hmm. And so I really killed two birds with one stone there. And so that was what I took up and I've never put the journaling down. And do you journal like handwritten notes in a journal or are you typing on your computer? Handwritten notes Ugh, in my it. little bitty, little blueprinting. That's wonderful, Sharon. Thank you for sharing that. Alex, what advice do you have for anyone listening? Maybe they're not struggling with drinking too much, but they might want to take a break, whether that's for dry January or longer. Just be patient. You know, you're not perfect. So if you want to quit and then all of a sudden you decide to go out and have a drink, it's not the end of the world, um, especially if you're just doing it just for the month. And give yourself a break, but just realize that nobody else around you can make those decisions. It's your decision and your decision only. So if you feel uncomfortable going out and um, people questioning you why you don't drink, just tell them you don't. And it doesn't matter. It's fine. Like, we're all in this together. For anybody who wants to read Sharon's wonderful story, and I hope you do, go to dallasnews.com slash news slash commentary. You scroll down a little bit and you'll find this story about the quote Dallas cocktail whiz Alex Fletcher, who we just met. But also you will find newer columns written by Sharon and Dave Lieber and other wonderful journalists at the Dallas Morning News who are telling us about our communities. So again, thanks to you both. And you're an inspiration this month. And that's all the time we have for Eat, Drink, DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you, so share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrink@dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 
Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.